Hey, thanks for downloading this podcast. If you want to listen live, be sure to download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Happy Thursday and welcome in Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mish along with Joe Pizzapia as we talk about everything on the show today. Previewing the AFC and NFC Championship, the latest in Major League Baseball, both fantasy and reality. We cover it all and we start right now. Fantasy Sports Today. And good afternoon and welcome to Fantasy Sports Today for today, this Thursday, January 16, 2020. I am Craig Mish, along with Joe Pizzapia and our producer, Sean Guastamaki, here on the show on Fantasy Sports Today, Monday through Friday, noon to 2 Eastern, which you can listen on FantasySportsNetwork.com, also over on iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. If this is your first time tuning in, maybe you are ready for the baseball season. Of course, we're not going to disappoint there. We also mix in a little bit of football. We'll talk average draft position and this is both a fantasy show and a reality show. As I mentioned earlier in the week, we had uh, for, uh, big leaguer Lorenzo Cain, former two-time All-Star and Gold Glove Award winner. You can count on a lot of baseball conversation moving forward. But, of course, there still is football to talk about, too, with the two biggest games of the NFL season on deck. So, Joe, good afternoon. Ready to talk a little reality and fantasy with you. And, of course, we'll uh, we'll talk some baseball on the show today. What's going on? Yeah, we got a huge show today. We got a lot of baseball to talk about. We got some industry draft stuff going on. We got Odell Beckham handing out money. We got a million things happening. But, uh, you know, it's funny. We talk about January being this time where there's not a lot to talk about or we don't know where to go. I feel like we've hit our stride, baby. I feel like these are our best shows. We are having some great baseball discussions, some great Major League Baseball non-fantasy related discussions. We've had some great football discussions. Uh, some of the recent retirements of, of Luke Keekley and some of the other players we talked about yesterday. Man, like I, I feel like January is bringing out the best in us, Craig Mish. And uh, I'm excited because at the end of the show today, because you've actually seen some movies, I you're going to help me fill out my Screen Actors Guild Award ballot today because right. it's due tomorrow. So let's get after it, baby. Let's go. Forget Hall of Fame. we got the Actors Guild. We'll do that. Oh, nothing but voting. January is about voting for things. That's what it's about. Okay. Let's uh, let's see who the Astros end up voting on to be their new manager, Joe. They've interviewed John Gibbons. They've interviewed Buck Showalter. And, uh, you know, listen, this is uh, it, it very evident what the Astros are trying to do at this point. They're trying to bring somebody from outside the organization that has a managerial past of some success that uh, basically would be a seamless transition into just wins and losses. Gibbons, the uh, the manager more recently, I believe, of the Toronto Blue Jays, although uh, Showalter did manage the Orioles uh, two years ago, uh, more of a player's manager. Uh, Showalter more of a tactician on the field, not the analytical type. I don't think either of these guys, by the way, are the analytical type, which is really interesting to see these two names being talked about. And Showalter, by the way, who I very much respect and think is a great manager, had some pretty vociferous things to say about the Astros and uh, and, and the Red Sox and what went on there with, with the uh, cheating scandal. So uh, what are your thoughts on these two managers? I don't think that they'll make a huge difference in the plus-minus category, maybe a plus-two for both guys, uh, maybe a minus if they don't hire these. But as we illustrated yesterday, the Astros are just loaded with talent. I feel like this is one of those games where 
you could just simply like a computer game, like on the, on the Xbox or PlayStation, just put your lineup in and let them play against the computer and let them go. There's a lot of talent there. What, what do these guys really have to do? Well, look, I think the reason you're seeing these names is because you're talking about handling the scandal through spring training and into the season and during the season about when it comes up with other players who are going to want to take it out on these guys. And I think that it's going every city they go, they're going to hear it. And I think bringing an experienced manager who's been around the block more than once is the right way to go. Gibbons, an old 80s Met guy who I adore, who was one of the guys I thought, you know, like him and Clint Hurdle. It's funny how many guys ended up having very successful coaching careers from that lunatic 80s Mets regime of, of team players who were just out of their mind, but really great baseball minds on top of being kind of, you know, for lack of a better word, nuts. But Gibbons, I think, is a good baseball man. And Showalter, I think, is one of the best. I, I'm a huge Buck Showalter fan. When it comes down to integrity, I mean, Showalter was the guy that walked away from the beginning of the Yankee dynasty because he refused to let go of his coaches. And he stood up to Steinbrenner and he got ousted. And the next thing you know, Joe Torre comes in. And the next thing you know, they have this run. But Bo, Buck Showalter was a huge part of building that dynasty along with Stick Michael. And to me, I'm rooting for Showalter to get this job because this is a ready-made situation for him to come in, be the voice of reason, be the guy that can get everybody calm and go through everything and get everybody back to the task of playing baseball. And I have zero concerns about the Astros. I'll give you, for instance, somebody asked me on Twitter just this morning, said, are you still as high on George Springer in the wake of all the Astros news? To which I put out to him, Springer had a higher batting average and OPS on the road last year. If the trend is going to be in fantasy baseball that people start to somehow discount even slightly anybody on the Astros, you better buy. You better buy on that discount every chance you get because this is a team that's going to go out and win 100 games yet again. Don't worry about 2020, 2020, I mean, excuse me, 2021 and 22 and all the what's going to happen five years from now. Worry about right now. Don't get ahead of yourself. This Astros team is absolutely loaded. And uh, I think if they get a guy like Showalter, they could very well get a World Series. And I would love to see Buck get a World Series ring after all these years. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a possibility. And, it, and you know, certainly they want to make a decision quick. So there's a chance of one of those two, thi- two things happening. I don't think that there's... Uh, any doubt. Um, Yasiel Puig, I want to touch on him real quick, Joe, before we move on to the opening drive. You know, it's interesting. I wanted to bring this up because now that, you know, things have happened, and again, the Marlins being a team that uh, was interested in Yasiel Puig, I, I got to give some fantasy advice here at the top of the show that I just want everybody to know a little bit. Um, I would not draft Puig right now. Um, I got to tell you, I think that there's a high probability, Joe, that he's going to play. There's a small probability that he will not. I, I wouldn't I would not draft him. I would be very careful. I, I think in a week from now or two weeks from now, this is not something that we're going to be discussing and he'll end up with a team and I think it'll be fine. But it's a strange situation. What's going on with Puig right now? Well, where, where's this coming from? Yeah. Why, why do you think he's not going to sign? It's been very hard to, to pin him down and pin his reps down to try and get a deal done with any team. So I'm not really sure what the reasoning is for that. Well, can I ask you a question? Is this the regular, um, you know, we're going to be aloof until the very end and then somebody's going to overpay at the end because they I missed don't out? Think so. Well, you know I what don't... I mean? It's that dance of musical chairs, right? In Major League Baseball, all of a sudden, you know, every team's got there's all these chairs left for these players. And then all of a sudden there ends up being uh, more chairs than just one player. And the teams are like fighting over the guy. So I kind of no, 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 OK, no, nothing to do with that. I mean, he's 29 uh, years old. So, but he's still I, got I a good three-year out- contract, four-year contract. Yeah, but I think he has some outside interests. He's got a very uh, big. <laughs> well, I think we know he has some outside interests. Right, he's got a charity that he's very big on, and he traveled across the world this off season. And I am just saying that it wouldn't shock me to see him as the last guy signed. It wouldn't shock me to see him miss spring training, and I would be very careful about drafting the player going into the year. I just I would at this point. When when's the last time that's happened? You know, I'm trying to remember when guys have not started a season with a team. At his age, usually it's because it was like the Kendrys Morales year where the guys, you know, because of the draft pick attached, nobody wanted to sign them and give up the draft pick. So guys end up coming back later and things like that. So we saw him in the second half. 
But when's the last time we saw a guy at 28, 29 years old sitting out there coming off a, a season with 25, 85 kind of a player not get a contract? I mean, we've seen guys like Jermaine die, not get contracts, you know, who are 37 or whatever they were, or 35, but 28, 29, that's, that would be really odd. Well, J.D. Martinez two years ago. Did not get offered a contract? He was waiting to sign a contract. It took him right into March. Okay, but I mean, if Puig wakes right into him, I mean, here's Puig the thing. Puig is like, offered, you, you're, you're, you're not understanding. Puig is being offered contracts. He's not interested in signing any of them. Well, I guess here's the here's the thing now. So do you then take advantage of that in these very early drafts where people are panicked because he doesn't have a spot and he falls and you take advantage of that stock falling rather than, you know, passing on it than the opportunity? I guess that's that's an important fantasy question to ask. Are you listening to what I'm saying? I'm listening to what you're saying, but I'm, I also I'm, don't I think warning, he's not I am, going to sign. I am warning you with information that I am providing you to not so draft Yasiel so you, Puig. You're doing this like a me, wink, right? You're doing this like a wink, like he's not extra. You're going the opposite on me here. I am well, telling I'm, but, you. But you know, because you're being vague. But are you doing like that neighborhood Brooklyn Italian thing? Where because, like, hey, because there's I gotta, a, I gotta, because there's parts of reporting. <laughs> there's parts of reporting. Okay. That you can't you can't ruin a source. You can't you know when things when people tell you things off the record, you can't go and, and just ruin yeah. the people. Oh, this but is what I, but what I, but what I'm telling you is that I have concerns. I think Puig will get signed. I think there's a 95 percent <laughs> chance that Puig gets signed. And he ends up playing in the big leagues. You sound but like Paul Servino in Goodfellas, is what you sound like. Right Joe, Joe, if I gave you a five percent chance right now that Yasiel Puig didn't play for half the season just because he didn't want to, would you draft Puig if there was a five percent? Five percent? Yeah. Uh huh. Okay. Because I'm going to get him at a discount probably. But nobody knows this right now. You're not getting. Well, I don't know. You anywhere. just said it. What are you talking about? You're a huge voice. I'm in Major telling Baseball. you now. I'm telling you now. I love this. You know, my parents moved me out of Brooklyn, so I wouldn't end up with these kind of people. And here I am with you every day now. Well, there boy, it is. Oh boy. There hey, don't hey, I got hey you that guy. You just have. If to, I was you, you I'd stay away from him, man. Listen, you take Puig, I'm not. That's it. You take right. Puig, I'm not. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm heard completely from a out of ours. A friend of ours said that maybe maybe don't play no more. You know what I mean? Exactly right. Get me a sandwich. The Irishman with Craig Mitch. Go get me a sandwich. All right, we got the opening drive. Box, we got the opening drive coming up next. This is Fantasy Sports Today. Don't go away. Want to light the lamp on DraftKings and FanDuel this NHL DFS season? Then join DailyRoto.com and learn from the best daily fantasy sports players. Get updated fantasy hockey projections for NHL DFS, line combinations, and build stacks for tournaments in the Daily Roto NHL DFS lineup optimizer. If you are playing daily fantasy hockey without using Daily Roto, you are doing it wrong. Enter the promo code ACTION for a 10% discount. That's promo code ACTION for a 10% discount. Then he pivots, fakes, chucks the big bomb halfway down the field to our hopefully still wide open tailback. I call it Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Joe Pizzapia. Fantasy Sports Today presents First play from scrimmage. The opening drive. The first play of the game. From the opening play and all the way for a touchdown. Literally, literally here telling you there's a chance that this guy just doesn't want to play this year, and you're like, oh, maybe I'll I'm, just, I'm making him talk about you. You know what? I'm making a bid. It's a good bid. <laughs> Craig, I'm not a stupid. I, I'm making know, a bid. You I know, know. I'm, I'm one of the few guys out there that you know I'm making a bid. <laughs> like, come on. No, I know. Because look how much we got some good laughs out of that. That's a funny thing. <laughs> My parents moved me out of Brooklyn so I could avoid this element. Now here I am yeah. with you. So is Beltran really going? Does that happen? I don't know, but we can't We can't do this. That's. I don't want to retape the show today. No, I don't either, but I. I God, I hope so. God. I mean, yeah, no, you're going to be right on that one. Yep. <laughs> once and once, blind score finds a nut. All right. <laughs> All right, here we go. <laughs> Three, two, one.
And this is the opening drive on Fantasy Sports today for the 16th of January, 2020. Craig Mish, along with Joe Pizapia, with you here on the show. Let's get started. The dumb get dumber at the end of the national championship game on Monday night. Uh, we didn't see it on TV, or at least I did not see it on TV, but there was some video provided after, just like everything else in the world, of Browns wide receiver Odell Beckham Jr., who was invited to stand on the sideline of the national championship, as he should be, a legend at LSU. Uh, there should be no doubt about his invitation for sure. Uh, there should be some doubt as to what he was doing after the game. There's video of him passing out money to uh, their players on the sideline. It was discussed, uh, I believe Barstool had the story, so make sure we give them credit. It was discussed and initially thought that this was Monopoly money that, it, that was given out. Why that was even stated, I have no idea. Who in the world brings Monopoly money to a football game? Stupid. That's never happening. This, this was <laughs> real stupid. money, of course. I, uh, Odell Beckham Jr. Has the, has the foresight of going to a store, buying a Monopoly game, putting it in his pocket, and bringing it to the game. I mean, who even thought that that's possible? But as it turns out, Joe Burrow on Barstool says, nope, it was real money. And now, uh, you know, the NCAA is going to get involved. They're going to knock it out real quick because it's obvious. I mean, how much could it have been? 100 bucks, 50 bucks a player, something like that. And and by the way, the players, as I've said for many years, do deserve to get paid. They do deserve to get money. And in 10 years from now, this is probably something that we will laugh about. And it wouldn't be anything other than funny because players will be able to get paid. And as, as we know, that they're going to start to be able to make money off of their name. But, but honestly, I got to say, and I, I hate to come down hard on players because I am not free of fault. No one is free of fault. But this is just so dumb. Why in the world? Why in the world was this necessary after the game? Like, wait, I mean, wait, wait, I mean Odell, or you're coming Odell. down with the kids for taking the money? Okay, Odell. yeah. The kids are just like, okay, Mr. Beckham. Like, of course, they're I would, no doubt. It's like the first time I met you, and you're like, here, you know, if you gave me $5, I'd be like, wow. And then someone's like, you shouldn't take $5 from Craig Mitch. Why in the, the next why, thing you know, you work for him. Buy, I mean, they, listen, we're talking about these and look Beckham is not going to get in any trouble no one in LSU is going to get in any trouble except for would, would if you're LSU would you ever invite this guy back for any reason after this stupidity stupidity why should he be the story so, so uh, he's the story because he did it I mean that's that's it I mean that's that's the thing and of course well I can imagine that they will probably have to revoke his privileges of being on the field or in the locker room ever again which is you know unfortunate I guess <laughs> but then again maybe it's not maybe that's that's the silver lining in all this is is if this guy is a negative influence on these players and doing stupid things like that. I mean, could you only imagine what went on in the 70s and 80s after these games when the alumni guys or the ex-NFL guys would come back? And Who knows what they put in their hand? Who knows what eight balls of cocaine with a couple thousand dollars? Who, I mean, no I doubt about it. I can't even imagine no the stories. It, yeah, and you know, that, you know that's before... Um, you're right, you're right. on your phone you know like I mean, right, you, got, exactly. you gotta know at this point you, you gotta, gotta know. know and that's the whole point it's like it's kind of like the astro scandal it's like we're still living in a world where everybody thinks that they could still get away with everything but big brother's around now oh, it's so impossible. everything you do is going to get video and everything you do is going to get recorded and everything you say online i always i always say this don't tweet anything that you wouldn't be proud of showing to your parents or your grandma or whatever it, because that, that you can't justify because that's basically the equivalent. You have to understand that everybody's going to see whatever you post on social media, whatever you go do somewhere in the public sphere, and maybe even the private sphere too, because that's that's where we're at. And Odell is just this is a stupid thing he did. I think it was well intentioned of like wanting to be nice to the kids because he understands these kids want to go out and party now. And he was that kid who had no money, probably. Well, maybe not no money because God knows what's going on there, but still. Like he's he's trying to be that guy, but you can't do that now. You can't be Uncle Odell giving people a hundred bucks and go out and have a good time, kid. Congratulations, you're the champ. It's a nice sentiment, but it just it's a bad look. You can't do it anymore. Yeah, and, and a big mistake for Beckham. Another one. All right, second down, Joe. Uh, it will hit on this tomorrow for sure. We're going to dive deep into the AFC and NFC championship games. Um, essentially, Joe, both the Chiefs and 49ers are about a, a touchdown favorite. It looks like San Francisco is a little bit bigger of a favorite than Kansas City at this point. 
we'll uh, we'll have our picks tomorrow. We'll dive into this a little bit more. Um, historically speaking, in, in these championships, you're going to have probably one favorite win, one underdog uh, cover at least, and maybe win two uh, based on the pass. I'm probably leaning toward taking the Titans at this point. I think that that seems to be the way to go. I'm not I'm not very easy on on San Francisco Green Bay because I, I do think that the 49ers are the better team and it's not close, but they've played so many of those ridiculous last score games this year that it scares me a little bit to think that uh, you know Rodgers could bring them back and it's 24-17 with you know, two minutes left and then uh, you know they kick a field goal. It's twenty four twenty. They get the ball back. Who knows? Like I, I gotta, I gotta wade through that one a little bit. But I'm feeling Tennessee at this point. That's the one pick I, I think I like so far. You know, this is this is fascinating because I think we keep watching Tennessee. We keep having expectations of them being competitive, and then they exceed those expectations. <laughs> they go out there and they beat the Patriots in New England, and then they go out there and just—I mean, let's be frank—they hammered the Baltimore Ravens. They hammered the one seed, and part of it is because the Titans have been playing playoff football for the last six weeks and that matters you know they're 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 hungry they're fresh nobody buys into it and the problem is i think they're running into something that they haven't quite yet which is i think a very um i don't know i think i feel like the chiefs feel the same way i feel like the chiefs are also on that path that they haven't been resting on their laurels they've been playing these games because you know if we go back into early december we were still talking about well the oakland raiders kind of have a shot there and then they went out and they pwned the oakland raiders and mahomes had been hurt so this is really they're finally hitting a team at the same time as them that is playing good football and playing their best football. So for me, I actually think it's going to be, unfortunately, for, you know, for whatever reason, I think it's going to be Chiefs and 49ers kind of advancing in both favorites. I, and I, I don't know. I think both teams are going to win by, I think both will cover. You're probably right. One of them won't. But I don't see an upset here from Green Bay, and I don't see an upset here from, from Tennessee, as fun of a story as that might be. I just think it's the Chiefs here, and I think the Chiefs are going to go in there and beat the 49ers, but I've been consistent with that for weeks now. Yeah, yeah, there's going to be a dog for sure. We're just going to have to sort who that will be. All right, Najee Harris, uh, Alabama's top running back, is going to be back, Joe, for another year there. there's I think there's still be a couple of guys who are ahead of him, but uh, clearly he must have you know, went into the discussion with the NFL, and there's no way that this guy would have stayed at Alabama if he was a first-day pick. So my, guessing he was, my guess is probably like he was a third-round pick. He'll go back to Alabama. They'll have uh, you know no Tua there next year, no Jerry Judy there next year as well. But this is a really good sign for him. And then next year when we do our fantasy college football draft, uh, Najee Harris will be available. Well, not only that, too, but I think it helps the transition at quarterback um, to to have that guy coming back yet again. So whoever that ends up being, whether it be because they brought in that number one prospect there, too. Yeah, I think Mac, this year. Mac, Mac Jones. Probably gonna but it's going to be Mac Jones, we year. would imagine. But even for Mac Jones, it's nice to know that you have Harris there. And I was super impressed with what I saw in Najee Harris this year. Guy was physical. The guy fights for the extra yardage. I mean, he's I'm actually surprised that third round was the grade on him, if that's true. That was actually a little surprising to me because I was super impressed. And I think when you look back at some of these Al- these Alabama running backs, they've had a pretty good track record in the NFL, damn it. So I don't know what you're, <laughs> what everybody else is watching. But to me, I, look, I'm always worried with running backs going back to college because we all know what can happen of course. at that yeah. position. But if he can improve his draft stock with one more big year, if Alabama has a big bounce back season here, which I imagine they will, then I, I'm, I'm okay with it. And I, I still think next year, I don't see him being a first round pick ever. But I still think he could really help an NFL team. I think he's going to be a good NFL back. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm just speculating. But, you know, clearly with the success, you're right, that Derrick Henry has had and Mark Ingram has had. It's a good track record so far. There is. But if this guy's not coming out, I think that tells you all you need to know. Like, there's, he wouldn't have been a first-round pick or even a second because he would come out for sure. It wouldn't but is that also play. indicative of the class that's he's he's in this year potentially there's versus not a, the class uh, next there's year? Only, there's, oh, well, I don't know what next year's is. I'd have to look at it. But well, I, I guess that's, that's I, the I point I'm making. I think there's only two running backs graded in the first round um, this year or maybe even the first two days. Dobbins is one of them. So, right. um, yeah, I, I I would guess that he got advice that said, hey, look, 
you know, not a first day pick, not a guarantee. Come back and do it. Um, all right, let's uh, wrap with this, Joe. Get ready for a bone eating worm. Yes, I said that right. A new species of bone-eating worm has been discovered by scientists during a study in which they dropped an alligator carcass into the Gulf of Mexico. Uh, the worm, which is yet to be named, is the first of its kind. It crawled on a corpse of an alligator on the ocean floor and ate its soft tissue within 51 days. Nothing to see here, Joe. Nothing to be afraid of in the Gulf of Mexico these days. Well, Mexico is a, is a fun place. And even goes to Mexico. Mexico. Gulf of Mexico. <laughs> well, the Gulf of Mexico. So this is um, off the, no, the coast of Florida. It's off the coast of Florida. Yeah, well, of course it is. Florida, man, found with his bones in the ocean eaten by a worm. Florida worm. Um... Well, I guess yeah. <laughs> I, I guess the question is, you know, can this be a savior for us too? If we can eat bones, can we eat through plastic and things like that? Can we have this worm like uh, go to some landfills or something? I don't know, and uh, and help the environment. But this is, um, look, I'm a big fan of those underwater ocean shows. I find them very relaxing and very interesting of what lies beneath, like in the deep, deep waters of the ocean. So uh, this is cool. I like this. This is this is a Florida worm, and uh, now we've come full circle here with the Florida man. So there you go. All right, we'll take a quick timeout. When we come back next, the FST, FSGA draft, excuse me, is going on in Las Vegas at the moment. And given the fact that I've got a lot of experience talking about this over the last decade, I'd uh, love to jump into a little bit and see what some of the experts in our field think. We'll do that next. Don't go away. Want to light the lamp on DraftKings and FanDuel this NHL DFS season? Then join DailyRoto.com and learn from the best daily fantasy sports players. Get updated fantasy hockey projections for NHL DFS, line combinations, and build stacks for tournaments in the Daily Roto NHL DFS lineup optimizer. If you are playing daily fantasy hockey without using Daily Roto, you are doing it wrong. Enter the promo code ACTION for a 10% discount. That's promo code ACTION for a 10% discount. Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Joe Pizzapia. Get in the game with the DraftKings Sportsbook, where listeners of this show can get a deposit bonus of up to $500. Here's how it works. Create a DraftKings Sportsbook account, make a deposit, place your first bet. DraftKings will match it with a 50% bonus of up to $500. This offer is eligible for all users, plus new users will get a risk-free bet. Of up to $200, go to sportsgrid.com slash DK to play. That is sportsgrid.com slash DK. You have to be in New Jersey to play on DraftKings, and you also have to be 21 years or older and go to the website, tell you all about it. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Well, unfortunately for me, I did not win the Gambling Analyst of the Year at the FSGA. That came and went. It's an um, honor to be nominated, Craig. Well, I did not win. Congratulations to all the great people that did win. The only saving grace for me was the fact that I did not make the trip and spend my money and not get anything. Although I will say I do want to thank the people at SportsGrid because they did offer to send me to the FSGA uh, this oh, that's year. That's nice. That was that actually that that is true, and I do want to thank them for that um, olive branch. But I uh, I turned it down. Didn't I, I? Didn't want to miss the honestly Monday night's game, the college football game. And um, I think you could have watched it in Vegas. I'm sure it would have been on I, TV I just, somewhere. I, I you know for me things have to be perfect for me to travel these days. And uh, didn't go, but but I do want to say thank you for being nominated. Unfortunately, I didn't win, and congratulations to all the great people that did win. I have no beef whatsoever with that. Uh, the FSGA, what I do have a beef, beef with is the stupidity of doing a slow draft when you have every single person in Las Vegas drafting. This is the second year in a row that they're doing this nonsense where, where, where they don't do the whole draft. Why in the world would you have everyone in the same room in Las Vegas and not complete this thing? Or at the very least, do the first 20 rounds and then do slow for the reserve rounds. Okay, makes some sense. But these dummies only did 11 
Browns again. No disrespect, but it is true. You, I mean, why? And, and by the way, all the people who were in this draft feel the same way. I've talked to them through the years. They all feel the same way. Uh, finish the draft. <laughs> you're there. You're sitting in the room. Do the whole thing. Now it's a right there. Dra- finish the draft. It, now it's, right, a, at least now it's a 12 20. hour clock. Which well, is absurd, by the way. I mean, and, and, and Howard four, Bender, six, and, ha- and Howard Bender, who is the most intelligent of them all, uh, also feels the same way as me. And in protest, has decided to take all twelve hours for every single one of his picks to try and get this change next year. Good job, good job by Howard Wait, Bender. Wait, so so that's how you get it changed by milking the clock? I don't know if that's what he's doing. I'm just making it up. But okay, but but all twelve hours, wink, wink, is going to go by. So let's let's take let's take a look at some of these picks, Joe, because this is uh, the standard, despite your. Your anti roto. Um, okay. A lot of a lot of people. It's not like I don't be, play it. That's, that's fine. Uh, look, I go write about on it. this show, and and most people who I who followed me through the years are playing in roto. So it's going to be a big percentage of what we talk about. Not all. I want to talk about all leagues, but roto is going to be the primary discussion. That's that's mm-hmm. that's part of this. Uh, okay. Mm-hmm. So the, the top five picks: Trout, Acuna, Yelich, Betts, Bellinger. Those are the top five picks in the uh, in the FSGA draft, which is a is it fifteen teams here? Yeah. A 15-team, five-by-five rotisserie draft, and uh, your thoughts, Joe, in a, in this in this format. Would you have gone any different than what you see here? Well, look, in the first five picks, I think it's the usual suspects there, and and I think that that's right. And you can have discussions about who, why, or whatever. But <clears throat> I will I will take umbrage with your smartest man in the draft taking Trout number one. And it's not because Trout isn't the best player in baseball. It's not because he doesn't have a huge track record. It is because even though I'm the guy that keeps saying, "Hey, don't chase stolen bases," if someone's going to drop stolen bases in your lap with the one-one pick and power and average on a great team with who knows, maybe a, a, a level and a plateau we haven't even seen yet from him. I don't know why you don't take Acuna. And, and look, this, and I'm not saying it's the wrong thing. I'm just saying I wouldn't have done it. And I am also not the person who was bouncing trout from the one, one overall thing a couple years ago when a lot of people wanted to jump that gun. I wasn't that person either. I wasn't that person in favor of Mookie Betts. I wasn't that, I was always trout, 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 but it's hard to deny at this point that Trout and the stolen bases are coming back to a place, which is something that happens as players age, whereas Acuna is probably still at least in that 30-30 range. And because you can get so much power to, to lock in those 30 steals in this format, in the Black Book, Acuna is 1-1, Trout is 2, Yelich is 3, or you could make that Yelich bets. Whatever, you know, they're interchangeable, but I 1-1 is where I would differ. Uh, I thought it was fascinating that Steve Gardner went with Garrett Cole, uh, where he did right in the middle of the draft. And and Steve is is always one of the best people to draft against and play against. I, I get to draft against him in labor in a couple of weeks in that draft. And he is always notorious for um, having a plan and planting that flag. And he, he really did that. So as far as first round goes, taking Garrett Cole where he did was fascinating. And then in retrospect, I think it really worked out for him because not only did he load up on power with the next four picks, which is exactly what I would have done you saw a lot of people double up on pitching at the end of the draft, which is just the opposite of what they should be doing. They should be doubling up on hitting instead because the pitching that makes it back to you ADP wise in terms of the fourth, fifth round and where you're out there is so much better than the hitting. And they're basically now putting all their eggs into the pitching basket and pitching can be not only volatile, but also injury prone. And I think that that's a dangerous game because you're going to be behind in terms of offense now because offense is so damn prolific with power. And I don't think you can afford to pass on it that early. But what if, what if okay, so I, I, maybe I'm not understanding. So what if you, if you get a lot of power early and then double up on the pitching later, isn't that, isn't that the plan? It's where you are in the draft. I think when you're at the bottom of the turn this year in particular, at 12, very, you mean, 14, 15, the first round? Where they are. Well, like in this first round here, okay, where yeah. you well, saw Scherzer Pitching obviously went very high in this draft. Very high. I mean, Bieber well, in the third round, that, Snell in the third round, Sale, et cetera. Yeah, but it's, it's, but the problem is, what do those offenses look like? Like, right, right. Here's what I'm saying. Now, I like Labor Torres. I think they did okay getting Torres and Machado. 
but I don't think Bogarts and Albies is how I want to build an offense. Not that they're not good players. They are, but I don't look at those kind of guys as the same kind of players as Bregman, as Lindor, or as Nolan Arenado, who is available at that that point for them. Um, J.D. Martinez, Raphael Devers. I mean, you passed on a lot of premium talent, even Freddie Freeman, because I think the logic has always been, oh, first base, you can find a lot of guys. First base ain't that great. It's super top-heavy this year, okay? I just want to point that out to everybody, and in a league like this where you play corners, that matters. So for me, Craig, I just I would not double up on pitching at that turn. If, you, if, if say, Steve Gardner doubled up on pitching, eh, okay, because then some of those guys that comes back, he's in the middle. But I think when you're towards the end there, you start to look at these rosters, and you have to say, okay, when you're, you really need an Aloy Jimenez to take a step forward and be that guy. And maybe he can. Um, it's just not the approach I would have taken in the current climate of Major League Baseball. Uh, but I think when you look at some of the teams there, um, the ones that stick out to me, it's always it's always good to look at a Chris Towers team. Chris is a friend of mine. He knows exactly what he's doing. Uh, I think you look at balance and strength of a roster. That one pops out to me. Ray's roster is always very good. And, uh, you know, I, I keep talking about Steve, but Steve is, always knows what he's doing. And whenever you draft with Gardner, you look up at the end and you don't think he's having that great of a draft until you look at it and you go, damn, really Steve Gardner? <laughs> like, you know, and that's now he's that guy in every draft. So it's, it's the usual suspects for here, for me here so far. It's Ray's team. It's Steve's team. And, uh, and Chris, I think popped to me. How about you? Who are some of the rosters that just off the bat here, you like or any surprises you've seen? Yeah, well, first of all, what I like to do in these, and, and I do it in football and I do it in baseball, is that um, after after now doing this and being on the radio and doing fantasy broadcasts of baseball and football for years, uh, I don't, it's, it's interesting, I don't look anymore at, uh, well, I, I, okay, I take it back. I, I will, like you, look at roster construction, and I will, like you, look at who has what player and like what, what team, but I know now who wins these leagues. I know the winners. So I am most concerned and most interested with guys who have track record of winning these leagues, and those are the people that I will look at their team. That's where I go the most. Well, it's like, funny because I feel like they're the same names I just said. I don't think so. But really, put, Ray Flowers doesn't win these leagues. I mean, does he? I don't. I mean, I don't know. He's one. I mean, here's the thing: the guy. Here's the guy that I fear in any league I'm ever in with him, and I beat him in the finals this year, and it was it was a very sweet thing. I beat him in the finals of flex. Is Adam Bronis? Because I think Adam yeah, he wins is, every league. Adam wins every league because Adam. And that's the other Coles thing. Too. and the Wolfman win virtually everything they're in. Anthony Perry, Fantastics. Those guys are at the top every single year. Every year. Well, Always I don't know because I played a lot with Colton and those guys. And I've seen that. They've much. won a ton. Are you crazy? They won last year. In this one? In the yes. FSGA? Okay. Yes. <laughs> I guess it depends on all. Well, I mean, I guess it also depends on how many leagues some of these other people play, how but many also, people also do football win, and lose interest. Labor. Uh, Colton and the Wolfman win uh, Tout Wars every year and Labor every year. Every year. Oh, okay. Well, in, in my leagues, I've been with them. I haven't noticed that, but, you know, I, I mean, yeah. Flex, uh, Colton and Wolfman didn't win Flex. I mean, <laughs> last year, the year before, the year oh, before that. Football well, I'm just saying, like, off the top of my head. Football is more of a coin flip for me. I'm talking about baseball. I'm talking okay. about baseball. Well, I think right. what happens in baseball, the guys who cover both, <clears throat> the true baseball lovers tend to win these leagues because they don't lose focus in July and August. And I do. I'll be honest. In these season-long Roto leagues, I can lose focus in them because, like you said, there's no money in it sometimes. Prestige is nice, but money's better. <laughs> no, I, I agree, but then you shouldn't do it. You shouldn't be in them. Well, but you do it because you can help people and you can help set ADP. And I think, you know, Jeff Erickson knows what he's doing. Jeff is one of my favorite people. And, and if you know, it's important for some people who have great knowledge of the sport to be in these drafts because they give you not only something to talk about, but something to think about. And they have a good idea of <clears throat> how to construct a roster, but it's that tedium of managing baseball through 162 games through six months that's not conducive necessarily to everyone who covers multiple sports whereas some of the people like i don't know i mean I, I, like i said <clears throat> looking around here so 
I look at the HQ guys always too. Um, I know a guy that I'm always in drafts with who I think is always super talented is Rudy Gamble. That's another guy. Scares he wins the hell every out of league. Me. He wins every league. That's and right. Rudy and I always fight over the same players. So that's but always. No, but but now, now you're talking about winners. Now, now you're mentioning the winners. I am. Well, I don't know, but I played with Steve in leagues and Steve's won leagues too. Steve Gardner? <laughs> he's fantastic. He wins leagues. Right. Well, that was the first guy I said, Steve and Chris. Chris Towers wins leagues. I'm, I have not played with Chris and have not okay. seen him in any of these expert leagues over the last yeah. few years. So well, I, I, mean, I used to be hooked in and I still am with a lot of like the Scott Whites and I played in a lot of leagues with those guys. And Chris is terrific. OK, well, listen, yeah. I know I know of him and I know what he does. But mm-hmm. I but in in the in the predominant leagues that are considered the show leagues that I have covered, which means nothing. But the ones that I have covered in the last decade, which would be this one, Tout Wars, Labor and the NFBC main ones, the main event on Friday uh, on Sunday, which is 5,000, and the, the uh, one on Friday night, another uh, 3,500 and 5,000, uh, I know who's winning those leagues. So I can I can go right away and look at the names and say, these guys are winning them, and these guys are not. I've been doing this too long to not know. Well, now, I know we barely... This is fun, because we actually talk more about the owners than the players. Because so that, that's what should... I look at. I want to no. see who the guys <laughs> who win, who they take. Okay. I don't care that a guy is constructing a good team and he's on the radio like me for 10 years. Like I'm not, I, if I'm on the outside looking in and I want Craig Mish's opinion, I probably want his opinion on players that he's seen in spring training or potential guys who will break out. If I want to, if I want to get Craig Mish's opinion on winning the actual league, I don't because he didn't win any of these over the last 10 years. He knows what he's talking about. He's able to project himself. He sounds good on the radio, but he hasn't won any of these. So for him, I want to know some of the players in the game because I know that he has, you know, a direct contact with some and he's been able to find guys that have broken out. But well, I can tell you right now, biggest reach of the first three rounds is Luis Castillo's second round by Howard Bender. That is an that is not a necessary pick. And if you're going to do it, you better double up on pitching there if you're going to make a statement. And I just I don't understand that because when you get to round four and five, the names that we've been talking about, the Corbins, the Grankies, uh, there's a bunch of other arms that we even Barrios to a certain extent. There's a lot of guys out there that you can roll with as starting pitchers, Charlie Morton. And I think to take a Luis Castillo ahead of players like Whit Merrifield, ahead of players like Bryce Harper, uh, ahead of players like Cattell Marte. I don't. I can't justify that at all. I'm sorry. I just can't. Okay. No matter how much you like a player. Listen, you're paid to give opinions. Got to give an opinion. Well, I mean, I'm, that's that's the one thing I take out of this because the first four rounds from or five rounds for most of these teams, we could dig into it more tomorrow. I'm sure we will. Yeah, we really they didn't do look, it. We, well, yeah. Well, that's well, lucky for us. We have more to talk about tomorrow. But I think the one thing you want to take away too is who got reached for, and I think that was a huge reach. And I all love right. Castillo. Let's. Uh, we were uh, running over here on the segment. We we'll are. take we'll take a time out and look at some pitching in fantasy baseball. Second half of the season, you may be surprised with some of these results. Don't go away. Want to light the lamp on DraftKings and FanDuel this NHL DFS season? Then join DailyRoto.com and learn from the best daily fantasy sports players. Get updated fantasy hockey projections for NHL DFS, line combinations, and build stacks for tournaments in the Daily Roto NHL DFS lineup optimizer. If you are playing daily fantasy hockey without using Daily Roto, you are doing it wrong. Enter the promo code ACTION for a 10% discount. That's promo code ACTION for a 10% discount. Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Joe Pizzapia. Welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. The 2020 fantasy baseball season is fast approaching. Pitchers and catchers report in one month from today. Very excited for that. And we'll be covering it all for you during spring training. I'll be hitting the road, going to different places, getting different interviews. And you know, just to kind of, um, I'm not going to backtrack, but just to go back to the previous uh, discussion that we were having. And I, and I want to expand upon that because 
the one thing that I value in myself with this is that there's no doubt that I can help you win fantasy leagues. But I, I do want to also double down on what I said about me not winning some of these leagues. And, you know, certainly I have won leagues and I do win leagues and I have performed well, but it has been elusive for me as an example to capture the Tout Wars title. I've been in there for four years and I have not won. I've gotten better every year, but the people I've a tremendous amount of respect for the people I play against. But Mike Cardano, who, of course, uh, along with Lou Bayon, uh, Lou Bayon, run sports grid when he initially asked me what to write in my bio for joining uh sports grid and david katz and everybody else is that we're going over all the things that i've accomplished and i'm being on the air and but the one thing that i wanted in my bio because i do i like the transparency of the way that i break things down was do you have to actually win your league to give good advice and the answer uh is no because I wanted to basically state that I have not won these expert leagues that I've been in. I'm taking money from all of my friends that I've been in for all of these years, but getting to this is another level. And I, and I, and I do feel that I could go back over the last decade and absolutely go back to all my hosting shows on Sirius XM and give you players that no one has heard of, give people that I've given players on the air that I've gotten called up before anybody knew, and told people on the air, hey, this guy is getting called up tomorrow, the next day, and and I can go through all the years of doing this. But it's a lot different to be able to give out players that are sleepers and give you players that I think that will break out and actually construct a team and win. And you mentioned a great name, which is Adabronis, who you know doesn't necessarily go out on a limb with some of these sleepers and these and these great players and these and these predictions. No, he's more like me. But he but he wins. But he wins. But he yeah, wins except he wins more than me. <laughs> well, I mean, nobody wins more than him. It's just not. No, possible. it's true. It, it's true, and that's and that's why honestly, as as much as like you know, it's just it was like a running bid here, like we did the guillotine league with you and the flex league with me. That was kind of a running bid during football season because they were the most you know fun things that we were very passionate about. It was passionate about because I knew if I got to the end, I knew that there was no way I wasn't going to be facing Ronis in the end. And there he was. And that was a huge, huge thing for me. And and he's a good friend of mine. I've been on sh- his shows for years and, and he's been on mine. And he's just one of like, we're, we're friends. And and when you compete against your friends who you have great respect for. And, and I think it I think the best analogy for this is um, if you are a swimmer in the Olympics and you lose to Michael Phelps, it doesn't make you not a great swimmer. You're, and it doesn't make you uh, not somebody who could teach other people about the technique of swimming, right? But if you're losing to Michael Phelps, how much do you take out of like, you're like, well, you know, when I, you know, I lost to Michael Phelps, so I finished third to him. You know, are you really upset? You still, you still place. I think that's the idea. It doesn't mean that you're not a good swimmer just because you don't win the, or a good fantasy player because you don't win that league. The fact that you're competing against some of these experts and these people that do this for a living and like the HQ boys who are, you know, writing baseball prospectus stuff. Of course. The fan graphs guys, you know, the Colettes of the world and sports of the world and all those guys who, by the way, I love Paul. He never wins leagues either. (laughs) (laughs) But but see, but the way, but see, there's, there's also a key difference is that with Paul and, and look like for me, the category, I can only speak to myself. I can't say that I'm, better than really any of these guys with the exceptions of the ones that I have finished ahead of because I can look at it and say I beat you I beat you I beat you and this is 10 years running of being in all of these these leagues but there's the dynamic of doing a radio show and being able to convey the message 
uh, for our purposes is is equally as important to winning. I mean, that's part of it. Now, some people don't feel that way, and especially the guys who are in the NFBC, they look at what we do and they say, you know, some of them say, like, how can they possibly tout guys and how can they possibly say guys are great? And they make really good points because none of them participate for the big money. And a lot of these leagues are what we would call show leagues. There's no money. There's no stake. There's no stake involved. And you could just basically take any problem and you could take anybody. And at the end of the year, no one remembers whether you win or lose, which is why it's funny. Uh, A couple of years ago, Joe, um, we uh, in the Sirius XM host league, we basically had a rule going into the season because of how ridiculous it got at the end of the year that nobody was paying attention. I asked uh, the question, why are we playing these leagues out? These should be mock drafts and be done. And um, well, you could do draft and hold leagues. That's the thing I don't understand. Like, why don't you just do them as draft and hold leagues? And, well, let and- me finish. Well, let me finish. Okay, my point. Okay. Let me finish yeah, sure, my point. Sure, sure. Nobody wanted to put any money up. OK, nobody wanted to put. I was like, we need, everyone needs to throw something in here. Oh, no, we can't do that. Then that's gambling. OK, meanwhile, everyone is gambling now, but whatever. So no one no one wanted to put any money up. So my thing was and I went to the assistant program director at the time and he was completely on board with it. And I said, at the very least, what we should do is the, the team that finishes last, the team that finishes last should be relegated like they do in soccer. If you finish last, how can you possibly say that you're a good fantasy uh, player or host. You, I you, agree you, with that. You That's a good point. You can't say it. You can you can say it, but it wouldn't be true. You should be embarrassed amongst all of your peers if you're 12th out of 12, and you should be kicked out of the league. And you can join the juniors league. You can join what what I said is let them be in the uh, the, the 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 producers the producers league, league right? Yeah, and, 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 and promote like, a producer. Yeah, and and they're like, you know <laughs> what? That's what we're gonna do. That's what we're gonna do. It's a great idea. So. Uh, so we played out the league and it was funny because that year that I made up the rule, I was in last for like three months, probably April, May and June. Then all of a sudden, like I had a good run. I ended up it was there was 12 teams in there. I think I finished seventh or something. I was not in jeopardy toward the end. But at the beginning, we were making fun of me uh, because I was the one who instituted the rule. And then you got to the end of May. And like, oh, my gosh, like you were the one in the rule. You're going to get kicked out. I'm like, fine, that I should be embarrassed to not do it. So we got to the end of the year. The team that finished last was there, and then the next year came, and then the program director said, no, nah, we're not going to do that. We're going to put him back in the league because he's a host on the channel. I'm like, well, then you know what? I am done. What was the point of this whole entire thing that we did? Well, it made for good radio. I'm like, no, like that's ridiculous. And that was when I was done with those leagues because I'm like, if there's nothing on the line, that's one thing. I understand it. Not everybody has the financial wherewithal, even if it's 20 bucks. Look, that could get you a sandwich somewhere that could feed your family. I, I'm not going to put, by the way, seriously, like nobody can put, uh, everybody can't put 20 bucks in. So if somebody wins, you know, a couple hundred bucks of the, I mean, come on, you know, what? well, they, well, they didn't want to do it. And you know what? I'm not, I'm, I don't know everybody's financial situation and I can't, <sighs> and I can't state it. We, I gotta be real with that. I listen, everybody is different. You mean everybody's doing fantasy for a living. Craig isn't rolling in money. <laughs> so, so again, that's, that's what happened. The guy finished last. They put him back in the league. I made a big stink about it. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Like, we're really doing this again. Like, what was the point of all of it? And then I just bailed on it. I'm like, you know what? That's it. I'm, I'll, now I'm going to finish last in these leagues because I do not care. Like, that, that, if, if we're not even going to give any credit to these people for winning or finishing last, 
And uh, the answer that I was given is, ah, nobody really remembers. It's football at that time. And, oh, it goes by. I'm like, well, then let's just do mock drafts. Why Why should I spend my six months worrying about fab budgets and who to pick up and trying to fit? Why? why? Well, I wasted a- I wasted hours of my valuable time, not just drafting, but mm. managing the team throughout the year for absolutely no, no reason. reason at all. <clears throat> right. And then I think that's that's a huge issue. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I, and I think that's that's part of it. And I think you're right. And I also think that there's a solution, too, which is why don't you just do these as draft and hold league so that you don't have. Of course, to do that's the way it should have been fab done. and you don't have to have trading. And you don't have to it's draft and hold. Of course, that's the way. But you know what? And most, then everyone could just manage people, their teams. And right, that's but it. But here's the problem, Joe. Is I that know what the problem is. Say most people don't have the depth of knowledge. Even no, though they call no, themselves that's experts not it at all. Draft no, and hold. That's not it oh, at all. You have oh, wait. a lot. Oh, no, no. Oh, oh, but they do. Oh, but that is a problem with, I would say, I know, but that's 50% not the of the people who pretend that's, to be fantasy baseball analysts. Well, listen, that's the story that's for another true. day. But, but, it, but, but it's a but truth. It's the a story truism. here was not that. It was that, that you need to create content. We do a show. All the hosts come on. They say who they like. They say who they don't. And then there's just no accountability at the end of the year. That was the problem, is that no one wants to do a draft. And also the fact that most people don't do draft and hold. And so, Joe, as an example, on our show, if we did a two-hour draft, and we did uh, a draft only using uh, catchers. No one in the world is doing the same thing as us. So who are we helping? And that that is a fair point. We have to help people who are actually doing the same things that we're doing. Uh, and that was that was part of it, too. So so to go back and just kind of rewind from the beginning, uh, it is not 100 percent of what I do is not all about winning these leagues. But I just from my perspective, put a lot more credence into if you're playing amongst experts for a decade and you're not winning at all, how can I possibly look at your team and say you did a good job? I can't do it. I cannot. I can't go there and say, well, because in all likelihood, I mean, you may be a good drafter. You're not going to win the league. You never do. So so I probably would go against the guys that you've drafted. That's just my opinion. You know, look, what we were planning to do this segment is dead now, so we'll just do it tomorrow. But it's it, this is a good discussion because I feel like the best thing, and, and I always say this to everybody, I say this to people who hire me to do drafts for them because I am somebody who's been lucky enough and, and you know, won a lot of people a lot of money and gotten a taste of some of that money, and I, and I like it. But here, here's the thing. If it's my team and I'm – you know, drafting and playing in my home league. If it's your team and you're hiring me, if I'm drafting in an expert league, I'm always drafting the same. There's also a lot of people who like to draft. So people talk about them, which I think is the biggest, that is the biggest detriment in our industry to the people who, who respect us and listen to us every day, who buy my books or the people who listen to us on the radio or the people who download our podcasts and, and whatever it is. And that's something, and you and I both know some of who those names are. I think that is the biggest detriment because those people intentionally go out of their way sometimes to take a player where they shouldn't take a player because they know that the next two hours of radio time is going to be about them taking that player and the controversy and who's right and who's wrong. And then there are people on Twitter and this, and, and that's fine. They're working the game or whatever it is. But in the end, I find that to be self-serving in the end. I feel like our job, and I always say this, I care more about your fantasy team than I care about mine because that's how I make a living and feed my family your fantasy team success. And I am going to bleed for your fantasy team. And that's why when people ask me questions on Twitter or on Facebook or other places, they're always so shocked that I answer almost all of them because they say, well, you do this. And I said, yeah, because you buy my books because you drop five-star reviews because you help me do the thing that I love every day for a living now. 
And if I don't, when I stop doing that, what's my purpose? What is my purpose? And I feel like the egos of some people in the industry sometimes don't lend itself necessarily to that motto. And I think that that's a shame because we are servants of the greater good. And I think when you look at these drafts, when you're in them, the best thing you can do is draft the team as if you were going to war with it. If you decide like you, Craig, that you're not going to play it out because there's nothing at stake or somebody else decides, you know what, it's football season, I can't do it. Or somebody else says I've had too many injuries. I can't win it. Screw it. I get that. That's human nature. But the problem is, like you said, there's too much of that. And in the baseball world, especially because it's so long, by the time we get to August and September, when these winners come out, only people get recognized are the people who won the league. That's it. And those people deserve it. And, and after that, nobody cares. Do they? Do the general public care? No, they care about how you approached it. And did your approach help them construct approach to help them win their league? And if they're willing to manage it all the way through, I guess that's the best thing you can hope for. All right, we uh, are way over on this hour, so Sean, apologize. may have to uh, work with us here a little bit, but we'll be right back with more here on Fantasy Sports Today. Don't go away. Actually, we're okay, according to my clock. All right, so that's hour number. Want to light the lamp on DraftKings and FanDuel this NHL DFS season? Then join DailyRoto.com and learn from the best daily fantasy sports players. Get updated fantasy hockey projections for NHL DFS, line combinations, and build stacks for tournaments in the Daily Roto NHL DFS lineup optimizer. If you are playing daily fantasy hockey without using Daily Roto, you are doing it wrong. Enter the promo code ACTION for a 10% discount. That's promo code ACTION for a 10% discount. Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Joe Pizzapia. Welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. As we wrap up the first hour of the show, here's what you missed. So what if you if you get a lot of power early and then double up on the pitching later, isn't that, isn't that the plan? It's where you are in the draft. I think when you're at the bottom of the turn this year in particular, at 12, you mean, e- 14, 15, the first round where they are. Well, like in this first round here, okay. Where yeah. you well, saw pitching, pitching obviously went very high in this draft, very high. I mean, Bieber well, in the third that, round, Snell in the third round sale, et cetera. Yeah, but it's, it's, but the problem is what do those offenses look like? Like, right. Like here's what I'm saying. Now I like labor Torres. I think they did okay getting Torres and Machado, but I don't think Bogarts and Albies is how I want to build an offense. Not that they're not good players. They are, but I don't look at those kind of guys as the same kind of players as Bregman, as Lindor, or as Nolan Arenado, who was available at that that point for them. Um, J.D. Martinez, Rafael Devers. I mean, you passed on a lot of premium talent, even Freddie Freeman, because I think the logic has always been, oh, first base, you can find a lot of guys. First base ain't that great. It's super top-heavy this year, okay? I just want to point that out to everybody, and in a league like this where you play corners, that matters. So for me, Craig, I just I would not double up on pitching at that turn. If you want, if if say Steve Gardner doubled up on pitching, eh, okay, because then some of those guys that comes back, he's in the middle. But I think when you're towards the end there, you start to look at these rosters and you have to say, okay, when you're you really need an Aloy Menace to take a step forward and be that guy, and maybe he can. Um, it's just not the approach I would have taken in the current climate of Major League Baseball. Uh, but I think when you look at some of the teams there, um, the ones that stick out to me. I think you look at balance and strength of a roster. That one pops out to me. Ray's roster is always very good. 